Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're here today with Jana Muninen. Uh, she's the president of Dumont, which is part of the RNC Mineral Story, which we've talked about on numerous occasions. So, hello, Jonna, how are you? Fine, thanks. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're here in London. That's yes, cool. I am. Yeah, for LME Week. So, LME all Week. week. Yes. Right. <laughs> a lot of nickel people here for that. Lots of nickel people here for that. So it's always it's always a good week to come to London because everybody's here, so you get to meet everybody, talk about the story. It's true. So, RNC is moving to being a gold-focused business, but it just has this very large nickel play in the shape of Dumont. So how, how's that panning out? So if I look at some of your presentations yeah. from June, you've got about you know, 15, 20 pages on Dumont. If I look to the presentation today, four. Yes. What's, yes. Ha- what's happening? With Paul coming in as CEO, um, we are really a gold-focused company. No right. question about it. However, um, what I'd like to talk to you about today is that we own 28% of one of the largest undeveloped sulfide projects in the world. Um, and we feel that we, we can add value to Dumont share, to RNC shareholders um, by looking at various options for Dumont moving forward. Right. So that's 28%. Yes. So it's water to own the balance. Yes. And just explain for people sure. at home who Waterton is, what, what do they do? Sure. Uh, in 2017, we sold 50% of Dumont to Waterton. They're a private equity firm. They, so they are now our partners in Dumont. So Dumont is fully 100% owned within the JV. Mm-hmm. Um, we are now 28% um, and Waterton is 72%. Uh, RNC remains the operator and manager of the JV. So we do all the technical work for Dumont. Um, as well, and then work with Waterton in terms of looking at strategically moving the project forward, financing, um, and marketing. So what's the, what does that actually equate to? You mentioned a the phrase there, you know, for share, shareholder value, yes. okay? As mm-hmm. direction from Paul, uh, director for Paul, is there a timeline to that? What are the options on the table? What are you thinking about doing here? Because sure. you're only 28% shareholder. Right now, we're not getting a lot of value for Dumont in our share price. Mm-hmm. Um, we do feel that, um, you know, we want to make sure that we maximize that value for our shareholders. Mm-hmm. So we are looking at strategic options. That was my directive from Paul on the board when I took on the role as President Dumont Nickel, um, that we need to look at what could we possibly do to actually get some value for Dumont to our shareholders, to RNC. And you know, that could really involve several different things. We're looking at options around spin-outs, mm-hmm. um, potentially a sale. You know, potentially we hold it until uh, until nickel prices come up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so everything's on the table. But ho- holding, I, I, mm-hmm. so the GNA is quite low. There's not a lot of overhead associated with it right now. And they've just done a feasibility on it. Mm-hmm. But are there many costs associated with holding this for a period of time? Yeah, no. So let me explain a little bit the way the JV is funded. Yeah. When we got into the JV with Waterton, uh, Waterton funded our portion mm-hmm. of the holding costs um, and of the cost for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they funded a portion of the cost. Currently, all the work that we have planned that we've done to date, uh, we pay 28% from within that funding. Okay. So currently, the work that we have planned for the next, say, um, 18 to 18 months to two years is currently fully funded within the JV. Um, so it is a bit of a free carry for RNC right now. Okay. Waterton are dependent on you to inform them as to what to do. So they're, they're, they're a private equity firm, effectively, yes, they right? Okay, they're not miners per se. They've kind of stumbled across mining assets or they've funded mining assets, but they're not, they're not by any means experts. So how, how does 
that relationship work? Yeah, it's been a bit interesting and we've been doing it for uh, almost three years now. Right. So we're getting pretty good at it. Okay. Um, what it really works is the JV is structured, it has a board. Um, Waterton has two seats on the board, RNC has two seats on the board. Uh, we have a technical committee below right. the board, right. uh, which is made up of, uh, again, two people from Waterton and two people from RNC. Mm. Um, essentially, the way it works is we look at the work that we believe needs to be done, and generally this is in concert with Waterton. Yeah. We don't show up one day and say, hey, we need you know this amount right. of work. Right. Uh, we do talk through, and we meet regularly to talk through what work do we think would be value-added. Right. Um, so the feasibility was one of them. Uh, you know, about probably oh, close to a year and a half ago, we started talking about, okay, we have a feasibility study from 2012. Mm. It's getting a bit stale. Costs are getting a bit old. Mm. Um, you know, we all believe in the nickel market eventually starting to rise and, and we wanted to get ready for it. Right. And so between them and us, we, we discussed what would the scope of it be? Um, how would we run it? Who would be the engineer? Um, and then once we sort of decide that the budget and the scope and get that approved through both the technical committee and then into the board, um, we then go off and execute. Okay. So you, again, so that's the dynamics between you and mm -hmm. Waterson. Yes. What about your president? Yes. Paul Hewitt is the CEO of RNC. Yes. You know, so he's, he's a gold guy. Yes. You guys have also got to agree about the best way forward. So it's, it's great giving you a directive saying maximize shareholder value. Mm -hmm. um, but as you say, dependent on the price of nickel now, where, yeah. when you believe the next cycle is and what you can do in this cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a few. There's a lot of there's lot a, of moving parts. There's a lot of moving parts, and 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 right now we're just we're just starting to work through that because the reality is there isn't a lot of benchmarks out there about value for development nickel projects because the reality is there aren't a lot of development nickel yep. projects out there. Um, so when you look to benchmark value against other, it's not like copper or gold where you can go out and benchmark a whole pile of sales purchases. Mm. Mm. Um, so it does become a bit di more difficult to sort of really quantify. Dumont's mm. value? Yeah. Well, well that's, that's, I guess that's what yeah. I'm trying to get at yeah. here. We know there's a big project mm -hmm. from what I read. Yes. Um, it's going to require a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So here we bring a strategic partner. They've got to bring a lot of money. Yeah. Maybe technical know-how, but maybe you guys got that covered too. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. You have to tell me. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about and tell people what it is that you've got. Because I think what surprised me when you told the story yeah. When I was in uh, Toronto, it was a month ago yes. now, was um, the scale of it, what you've got, how little or how few other large scale near term yeah. projects there are out there. So let's get into it. So give, give us that overview of Dumont. If yeah, you no, time. absolutely. I mean, Dumont, Dumont is a very large scale, low cost, long life asset. It's a billion ton reserve. Um, it is going to produce uh, in the first phase, which is seven years, about mm. 33,000 tons of nickel annually, expanding in year seven to 50,000 tons of nickel right. annually. And over the 30 year life, we'll produce 39,000 tons of nickel annually. Right. We are located in the Abitibi region of Quebec in a very active mining region. We have lots of local support. Uh, we are both provincially and federally, federally permitted. Um, and we have an IBA with a local First Nation. Right. So we have all of the pieces in place to be ready for the next boom. Right. Um, if we look at what work needs to be done to get us into production, yeah. uh, we're talking about uh, about a 30 month, 33 month, both engineering and construction. Um, so, you know. From, from when? Though? From, from when? when, so from financing, right. the reality okay. is. Um, so that's, sort of, that's the lead time. But if you look around the world and you look within sort of low risk jurisdictions, um, there, isn't any, there isn't a lot out there of scale. There's lots of, um, 
smaller operations mm. that will produce sort of say 10 to 15,000 tons of nickel a year in Australia, um, in Brazil, in smaller, smaller mines in Canada, mm -hmm. um, in Europe. However, there's really, when you look at sort of the world landscape of sulfide deposits, mm. there really isn't um, anything or a lot that's out there in a development ready, production ready, shovel ready type build. Right. Like Dumont, which so is what Dumont, I find exciting about Dumont's it. Dumont's got that. They're not too many others, or if, you, if there mm. are, you count them on less than one hand, yes. right? Fingers of mm -hmm. one hand, um, which is great. What are the numbers involved though? Because large scale means large cost. Yes. No, absolutely. Uh, we are looking at building a 50,000 ton per day concentrator, which mm. is large, but it is well within the scale of operation in the area. So we are right located just outside of Amos, Quebec. We're on an all weather highway. Mm -hmm. We have a power line that runs five kilometers north mm -hmm. of the project. Um, and within 100 kilometers, there's two other large open pit mines of similar scale. Right. So there's lots of experience in the region on that sort of scale of operation. Um, but it is a large project. Uh, it is a billion dollars initial capital. Right. Absolutely. That's what I was getting at, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So that's a lot of money. Yes. And we talked earlier about the structure between Waterton mm -hmm. and yourselves and someone else coming in. Yes. It's, 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 it's complicated yet to be decided. Appreciate that. Yep. But nevertheless, it's a, it's a big number. No, absolutely it is. Um, but but is it you, normal? It is a normal, normal number. It is a normal number. Right. I mean, you're okay. looking at building a 50,000 ton per day mine and mill. Yeah. Um, you are looking at a billion dollars. Right. So that must restrict, or restrict, must give you a very good <laughs> sense of who you can go and talk to, right? No, absolutely, absolutely. And what are they thinking? Because they're, they're looking at, can we do something this cycle? Are you mm -hmm. guys ready? Or is it next cycle, in which case, when's that? Yeah. No, and I think, um, you know, the feedback we're getting recently is I think if you had asked me the same question 10 months ago, yeah. people would have been like, eh, $4 nickel, $5 nickel, it, it's a while. Um, I think over the last sort of three or four months of interest, mm. people are definitely, uh, we're getting more calls. We're getting more calls. We're getting more inbound interest um, by various people yeah. that do want to talk, and, and they're and they're not, um, you know, they're not small players. They're people that want to talk about sort of when does it fit, when are you ready, what mm. does it look like, mm. um, and you know, the billion dollars is a big price tag. But when you start to break it down into pieces, um, you look at, you know, there will be a senior debt facility on that, mm -hmm. probably to the tune of about five hundred million dollars. There'll be some equipment financing. Um, there'll be, you know, when you start, you know, the equity check at the end of the day, there's probably an offtake loan as part of that, mm -hmm. maybe a small stream of the precious metals, yep. potentially. Um, you know, the, the equity portion of that is probably in the $300 million range. Right, okay. So when you start to break it down like that, it's not, it's not we're going to go out and build a billion dollars, we're going to raise that. And you're 28% of that. And we're 28% of that, exactly. Okay. And so again, it depends what, what's happening in the, in the rest of R&C, yes. will determine what the cost of that mm -hmm. money is, yeah. or indeed, where you where you put it in project level presumably yes right okay um, so you, and and that's the kind of bit that fascinates me about um, minds of this scale is you know how you go about having those discussions with people about the cost of that money mm -hmm. um, and then how do you retain as much as possible because your brief is yeah. shareholder value yes. right yes Number absolutely one, right? absolutely so what? you're twenty eight percent yep you've got to create some shareholder more than it is today. Mm -hmm. Which is arguably not much. Right, okay. So <laughs> I'll how, admit that. Right, okay. Yeah. So it, well, certainly I think you're not getting much credit for it. And I, and I think yeah. it's partly the, the, the company has said, oh, when you get Dumont for free, that kind of strap line, which yeah. is a little bit ingenuous, I think. Just yeah, no, I no, I mean, it really is. I think, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, I have heard that said, oh, mm. you know, you get Dumont for free. Well, I mean, if you look at it, you know, it is a, 
if we look at even the two commodities, I mean, I realize we are a gold focused company and our, and our real focus is on the gold assets in Australia. No mm. question about that. Mm. Um, but um, in a rising nickel price environment yeah. where you're starting to get interest and excitement around and people realizing, wow, the world's going to need a lot of nickel in about five years time. Mm. Where are we getting that from? Mm. Um, Dumont has the real potential to add value to RNC. Is that part of your equation then? It's like, mm -hmm. maybe we'd be better waiting for five years. We've talked about it. Absolutely. Because Dumont is funded within the JV, um, and I think that's where that whole, oh, when we get it for free, you know, it's a bit of a side, you know, the fact is, is that we are funded for, for several years within the JV. Mm. Um, and so it is a bit of a free carry. Mm. So it is a bit of nickel exposure, future opportunity. Right. However, um, in, you know, in the short term, um, looking at our shareholders, looking mm. at the focus of the company, uh, we may want to, to do something sooner rather than later, but we're also not in, like I said, we're not about to put it up for file sale. We're not in a rush. Yeah, so that, that's quite good. We have you, cash in the bank. You get cash in the bank. Yes. The cost of running this thing for another five years is negligible. Negligible in the scheme of things, yeah. not negligible in terms of dollars. No. You know, you've got salaries and mm -hmm. stuff to do, permits to maintain, yep. and all of that kind of good stuff. But you'll do the math and work out whether you just deal with it now, focus on gold, or you wait five years because the upside could be because of demand story, yep. which you need to believe, um, is so much better. It's got to be better for shareholders. But th that's the process that's that you're the going process through, that we're trying right? To, and, and it's hard because okay. you can't predict the future. Of course. Um, and so, you know, if you look at today and you say, well, maybe the best option for shareholders to do something now, right. um, to, to clarify the structure, be a, a pure gold company, maybe that has more value now um, than having two assets. Right. Um, and being, I, you know, personally, I know people, people say it's confusing. Yeah. Are we gold? Are we nickel? What sure. are we? Um, so, so maybe there is value, but it is a bit of a, you know, it's not, nobody has a crystal ball. Um, so you can't really say, oh, in five years it's time. It's not distracting you financially or otherwise. That's exactly so it. So that's the mentality. And I, and yeah. I, do, I do get that. I mean, we have a team in Australia that's fully dedicated to the gold. Yeah. Um, that, that is their focus. Uh, we have a smaller team within Canada um, that works on, on the Dumont story. Right. So how does RNC... Paul, yeah. make the decision as to the, the timing, because obviously the gold bit of the business, from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, we're hoping to speak to Paul you know, maybe next week about this, but um, it's moving along. It's kind of normalizing relationships, yeah. as it were, in the marketplace, as yes. people understand what he's trying to do, the business mm -hmm. plan. Is there any pressure from what's happening in the gold side of business, to, uh, which affects your decision making on the nickel side? I think the gold side, you know, it is ramp. You know, we're coming along there. The gold side, like you say, is normalizing. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of success recently. Yeah. We've hit a couple more pockets of the higher grade gold. Um, so that is, you know, that is moving forward. And and really, you know, with Graham in Australia and Paul, um, they really have that managed. Mm. Because Dumont is funded within the JV for RNC's portion, there's no real immediate need for us to say take cash from profits in Australia and funnel it towards the nickel. Right. Um, so at the moment, you know, we are under no immediate pressure to do anything about it. Okay. However, um, we are in an interesting nickel market right now. For sure. Very much more so than Great. when we completed. Interesting week. Yes, yes, right. yes, this week. Um, so, you know, when we look at when we completed the fees back in June, uh, nickel was five fifty a pound. Mm. Um, nickel is now hovering between seven fifty and $8 a pound. Interesting. Uh, stocks on the LME are almost at an all-time low. Um, so we're in a very different place. So we want to make sure that we do look right now at taking advantage of this current nickel price um, to see to see if there's that appetite. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not going to fire sale Dumont. Sure, but 
neither are you going to make a decision rashly because nickel no. is famously volatile. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. You've been the various super cycles of, of nickel and they last a long time. Um, and I think, um, I don't know if we talked about it, but we talk, you know, talked about sort of scrap metal coming yes. into the market if the prices stay high for long enough. And that's going to, again, give us a false impression of supply for a while. Absolutely. I don't disagree. I mean, if we look at right now, this recent price action is really somewhat artificially generated mm. by, um, by Indonesia yeah. exclusively, um, where Indonesia has restricted the export of ore into China to mm. make NPI. Um, so originally they had restricted it as at the end of the year, mm. um, but then people were starting to massively um, export ore above and beyond their current permits. Um, so as of Monday, they announced that it was shut down right. uh, completely. Yep. Um, whether or not that's going to be permanent or going to be for a few weeks until they figure out what's going on, uh, we don't know. Um, however, it is, it is a bit of a, a supply, it's definitely a supply control versus demand. With this rising nickel price environment, it is going to draw out stockpiles of stainless steel scrap, of ferro-nickel that has been sitting in people's backyards waiting for nickel yeah. to go above five or six dollars. I think we know which backyard. Yes, yes we do. Right. Um, so that, yeah. you know, we will need to chew through that as an industry. Right. Um, before How long? Probably, you know, maybe Q2 next year, uh, okay. into Q1, Q2. Okay. I mean, it's not a huge amount. However, there is some and, and stainless is still pretty soft in terms of the demand well, side And of that's going to affect prices. It will. Yeah, down, no, it will. Absolutely. As but it will bounce back up. Yes. I, we to a so. level. To a but, level what it is. There we go. Yeah, That's I mean, long question, term, right? we have seen year on year deficits in mm. nickel production into the industry. We're on our third year of deficits. Yeah, um, I believe next year the International Nickel Study Group is, is predicting another small deficit. So we are seeing these deficits. We do need new nickel to come online at some point in time. Um, and then if you over and that's really just the stainless steel story. Mm. You start to overlap the EV story on top of that. Um, I think the challenge with EVs is nobody's quite sure how fast, how much, and when. Yeah. Um, but it is definitely out there. Um, you know, EVs, especially within China, within within Europe. Yeah. Um, all of the lo large major auto companies are now announcing major plans for EV um, cars to come out, various models. Um, but it's a bit uncertain about timing. I think that's right. I mean, we we had Anthony Mieluski in, in here earlier today. He's yeah. with his new venture, Conic Metals, and we were talking about where EV sits in the demand story, whether it is a t part of today's demand, and he thought not, maybe it was a couple of years out. Because mm -hmm. the people talking EV and a lot of other commodities, if I'm <laughs> listening to yes. you know, the lith lithium guys and the, and the you know, neodymium and yes. you know, whatever, graphite, mm -hmm. it's today, because they need it to be today. Yes. But, but I think the reality from what I hear from the nickel guys, they're yeah. being a little bit more honest about it uh, and saying that perhaps it isn't quite there yet, but it is coming. Yeah, no, and I 100% believe it's coming. I personally drive an EV. I, I, I think it is, once you drive them, you realize exactly why people love their EVs. Right, right. Um, I, uh, but yeah, no, it, it is coming. I, I do think it will probably be slower. And I think there's, I mean, I think if you really look at the industry on the OEM side of things, especially mm. within the, you know, the historical, the, the OEMs, they have so much infrastructure built into building internal combustion engine cars. Yeah. That is going to be a very hard tide to change quickly. They have uh, billions of dollars invested in plants and invested in manufacturing lines. Um, plus, you just need to ramp up the battery and cathode supply side. Yeah. There's a huge amount of capital that will need to be spent to actually make all these batteries. Yeah. Um, it's not just tomorrow. So when we look at Dumont, you know, the one thing I'm very excited about is if you look at the world of nickel and you look at nickel sulfide deposits, the reality is 
there just aren't that many or any mm -hmm. um, nickel sulfide deposits that are currently you know permitted yeah. um, in a in a low risk jurisdiction that can produce something in the order of you know 30 to 50,000 tons of nickel annually for 30 years you know and that's where i think dumont's value really right. is i get it's about working out where value maybe best obtained, right? Mm -hmm. But the last cycle lasted how long? The, the, the down cycle? Oh, I mean, the down cycle, the reality is that we haven't seen a true nickel bull market since 2008, 7, 8. Right. Reality. Long I mean, time. there was a bit of a bull market 2010 when RNC first IPO'd. Yeah. We yeah. sort of lucked into a window there back in 2010. But otherwise, it sort of ran up a little bit 2013. But we haven't been in a true bull market for a while. I want, right? So they, these cycles, they, they yes, boom they and do. bust and long mm -hmm. periods of inactivity. And, you know, you've got to weigh up what you think the next one's going to be without being able to predict the future. No, exactly. Although every report that I've read yeah. says nickel demand because of the EV component, which may be a couple of years away, mm -hmm. is going to mean that nickel's going to, you know, stay up there for some, some time. You know, we've seen some pretty big numbers forecast. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what are the conversations internally with Waterton, who perhaps yep. are just PE guys? I mean, they've got to rely on you. They've got to rely on market forecasts. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're looking at, there's sort of two conversations. One is how do we maximize value for R&C shareholders? Right. And then how do we maximize value for Dumont within the JV? Right. Um, and what does the structure of the JV, right now it's a, it's a JV between two why the, partners. Why, why are those two separate things? Aren't they the same thing? Not necessarily. I think it's almost a two. I think there's actually, and maybe they clear. Maybe they get cleared up in one one step right. in terms of ownership, in terms of how Dumont is owned, um, and maybe there's options around things like um, potentially. You know, the one thing I, I sort of to, to get to your point of, you can't predict the future. Um, you know, looking at an alternative for Dumont um, that separates it in some form from hmm. RNC, um, but potentially RNC retains an interest. Uh, right. Up some sort of upside potential. Okay. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Okay. Um, but maybe there's something there where you kind of look at doing the best of both worlds. Right. You you create a clean gold company, a clean nickel company, but RNC at some level um, retains some sort of upside right. interest. And I, I do. I, we are you know talking about that, looking at that. What does it look like? Mm. Um, you know, adding a new NSR onto Dumont's probably not doable. Mm. Um, but revamping something around that or you know something but there are options that we're looking at because that really for rnc shareholders that would start to reduce some of these you know short-term risk of just selling it yeah yeah no, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get so, it so but it removes it removes the management and operation and and distraction right okay so it's not these are not unusual considerations in the mining space and no. again you know these conversations happen, happened before but i guess you know if i'm a long time long suffering yes shareholder yeah. I am asking the question of how long do you guys need to get? I mean, how long have you been there? I've been there almost 10 years now. 10 years. Mines take 10 years to get into operation. Mm -hmm. So this this is had because of the nature of the nickel market. I yes. must explain here. It's not like gold. It's not like copper. It's not, it's like, not gold. like copper. Okay. It is not. So you can go in fits and bursts, as it were. But mm -hmm. you know, people are saying, well, how long before we get this monetization of that? Just get it over and done with. I need I need to see something now. Yeah. What do you think it could do for RNC? if you did do something this cycle? No, I mean, if we did do something this cycle, um, I really do think that first of all, um, in the short term, uh, there might be a potential to, to offer RNC some sort of initial consideration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, RNC, if we look at RNC, uh, we do have some debt outstanding. Um, you know, there's opportunities for capital spend in Australia as well, potentially. Um, so, the, the, you know, there's opportunities. 
Mm. Um, so in the short term, I think there could be, if we could monetize Dumont in some way, some short-term value. I mean, I think longer term, having or retaining some sort of upside consideration is really where, that's where you get exposure to you know, the 10 to $15 nickel prices. I mean, mm. the last time nickel ran, um, we went from $1.98 nickel up to $25 a pound nickel. Yeah. Nickel is the most volatile of the base metals. It goes the highest and it goes the lowest. Um, and, it, and it dives the lowest. So, you know, having some exposure to that long term, mm. I think that's, that, that's how we go about adding value. What do you think you need to deliver for this cycle to be able to put you in a position to give you the opportunity to have those conversations? Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I think right now, uh, what we're looking at is one was completing the updated feasibility study. Right. We had to do that um, just because if we had not done that, we would be trying to market Dumont mm. uh, with an outdated study. Right. So that was done. 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 Tick. Tick. Exactly. The next stages, I think, are one is off the back of that study. We need to make sure that our stakeholders, mm -hmm. uh, which include the government, include the local communities, are all updated on the study, mm -hmm. as well as updating um, things like closure plans, updating, um, you know, looking at our C of A's, making sure that we don't need to do anything there. Or if right. we do, start to start to take care of that. Right. Um, because what we want to make sure is, you know, we build Dumont as a shovel-ready project, mm -hmm. which essentially means what is shovel-ready? Shovel-ready means that you have your permits in place, you have your own your land ownership, you have your surface options, you have your mining lease, you mm. know, you have your closure plans, you have your, your technical study up to date. Um, so making sure all of those things are maintained because you know updating your feasibility study that feasibility study forms the basis for all of those um, sort of feed feed forward information flow to the government right um, as well so so the next in the short term making sure that we have all of that maintaining our shovel ready status that is very important um, a couple of things you know some of the more optional ones mm. are really around looking at some of the value-added opportunities that we saw come out of feasibility study so in the feasibility study, we saw some opportunities around automation, uh, truck automation, just, just like the EV story, just like all of those things, you know, haul truck automation is coming along faster mm. than, than mm. is, you know, as, so by the time Dumont gets into production, trucks of those that scale will almost all be automated. Um, so we, we want to look at that um, because it adds significant value. We want to look at potentially magnetite offtake. We want to look at some technical um, equipment choices. Um, so there's a few things. We'd like to look at that over the next sort of six months yeah. to look at how, if there, is there an opportunity to add more value to Dumont? Right. Because that really speaks to investors who want to come in to say, what are my upsides? Right. What are my upsides? Here's the project. Mm -hmm. What else could I get? But you can have those conversations now, can't oh, you? Because you've you got to leave something on the table for mm -hmm. them. Because if they can go, hey, well, maybe we automate this. There's something, there's an opportunity margin for them, right? Yeah. So, so how do you have those conversations now? So are you having conversations now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we've had ongoing conversations with people over the last three to four years. Who? Um, you know, the major mining companies, um, nickel companies. We're, we're talking with um, downstream OEMs, battery companies, as well right. as trading firms. Right. Um, but some of those are more realistic than yeah, others. Yeah, absolutely. Because OEMs, EV Revolution, a couple mm -hmm. of years out. Yeah. Mining companies, they know who you are. You're one of a handful of big you know, large-scale operations for nickel. So why aren't they knocking at your door now? Yeah, no, and I mean, I think they're keeping, uh, they're in a bit of a wait-and-see approach right now. Um, I don't think that... What are they waiting for? I think they're waiting for a couple things. Right. Um, I think that they're waiting for the nickel demand side of the story to become much stronger. But, um, but they've got to have a view on this, oh, they have, right? Because yeah, they must absolutely. be looking at nickel, reading the same reports I'm reading mm -hmm. and going, it's all good, yes. right? Yep. So why not come in now? What's stopping them? Yeah, and I think um, history of 
a history of greenfield nickel projects right. uh, that have not been successful. Okay. Um, now they're much more complicated than ours. They're you know very much higher risk jurisdictions, much more complicated flow sheets. Um, Dumont is a very standard mine and mill, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to if we look at some of the very complicated HPALs or laterite projects that have sort of. Which by complicated, you mean even more expensive? Yeah, yeah. Well, or I mean, if we look, yeah, well, well, it's technically complicated, which right. then leads to more expensive, right. okay. significantly more. So expensive. you're slightly easier on the scale of. I mean, we are a mine and a mill on right, a scale okay. of a right. scale of simple. Um, right. People know how to build mines and mills. So people should be attracted to that. But yeah. you're, you're saying people still just aren't committing because the nickel price isn't doing what they think it should be doing. I think that they're still in a wait and see mode. I think that they're still. Um, they realize that, you know, absolutely they have forecasts. I mean, absolutely they think that the future of nickel is, is you know, we are about to enter a bull market over the next, say, 12 months to 18 months. Um, but I don't think today, um, you know, I think that they're looking for, they're keeping in touch. Yeah. They, they're making sure, you know, knowing what's up, knowing what's happening. But I think people are really waiting to see the demand side. Um, really start to get a little bit stronger. Um, I just think that that with the sort of supply restraint in Indonesia, um, making sure you know, just I, I just think people are just a little. It's a very you know, we were at five dollars a pound three months ago. I, I just think that we you know most people haven't quite um, caught up, and there's still this bit of a disbelief that right. okay now we're between seven fifty and eight dollars. Let's just have a wait and see for a bit. Right. They want for some consistency there. Yeah. Let's, do we make it through this next quarter? Do we see the price fall back? Yeah. And if so, how much does it fall back? Um, how much scrap is really out there that's going to come into the market? So it's not a question of pricing yeah. how much they, they are going to pay. Mm -hmm. Not a question of if. Yeah. It's a question of what's the best time, optimal timing for us to work at. How much this is going to cost us. Yeah. Is that, is that I think, kind of I think in saying? some ways. I mean, I do think that that whole EV story, mm. I, I do believe in the EV story, but I do think this, the question on speed that it's going to advance and the timing, I think that most people are still somewhat bearish mm -hmm. on some of those estimates. And so people are still taking that wait and see. Let's, you know, we know everybody believes that the EVs are coming, mm. that batteries are going to be a significant uh, consumer of nickel moving forward, yeah. but timing. Right. Is it really 2023 or is it 2025? When yeah. are we really going to need this nickel to come on board? Um, and so, and then with the run-up that's been so sudden mm. and somewhat unexpected, um, I think people are just sort of wait and see. So keeping in touch, yeah. making sure they know what what the updates are, what's happening, yeah. um, but still, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you, so someone puts a billion bucks in, gets mm -hmm. this thing built out for you. Yep. What do they expect to make? And if you look at the, the free cash flow of the, of the project over the life of the deposit, yeah. you know, somewhere uh, the EBITDA is $200 million annually. I mean, it's a large cash generating project. It is a low cost, you know, overall our, our C1 cash costs over the life of mine are just over $3, $3.22. Our all-in sustaining cash cost per pound on a US dollar basis is just, uh, just under $4 at about $3.90. Okay. So, you know, when you're looking at projects to invest in, because the thing about nickel, I talked about it before, nickel is the most volatile of the base metals. It goes, jumps the highest and it falls the lowest. If you're going to invest a billion dollars in mm -hmm. a project, you need to make sure that that billion dollars is going to be paid back. You yeah. need to make money. And there's a cost to it. And right? there's a cost to it. There's an interest, there, there's a cost to that. To everyone. To everybody. Yeah. Um, and so the reason why I believe in Dumont, one of the other, is just because of its scale. So we have a 30 year life project. What that allows you to do is that 30 year life allows you to take advantage of those peaks and valleys of the nickel cycle. Mm -hmm. And because it's such a large scale, low cost project, you know, you are profitable 
along that, that entire time. Um, so any investor that comes in um, has that time on their side to be able to get back yeah. their investment. Yeah. Um, because nickel, unlike say copper, you know, it does really go up and down. So that's where I think there's an advantage of Dumont, where when you look at some other projects that say, you know, are three to four or 500,000 or 500 million dollars to invest, but are only at 10 years, yeah. you can really easily miss the price cycle. Yeah, and you kind of, uh, yeah. you, you know, you, you, the, the cost of building the mm -hmm. plant aggregated over 10 years versus 30 years, sure, yeah. we understand that. Okay, yeah. um, well look, Johnny, thanks very much for coming in. Brilliant to catch up with you. I'm glad you got the chance to explain that the way you explained it to me in Toronto a month ago. Um, interesting story. We understand your brief. Monetize this for shareholders. That's what they want to hear from you in the next few months. How are you going to do yeah. it? What, how those discussions are developing mm -hmm. and what it's going to mean for them? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, our focus is shareholder value. Um, and the board and Paul have given me very clear direction around looking at what we can do uh, with Dumont to maximize shareholder value. Beautiful. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you so much time. for having me. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.